Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. I have a ring on this hand with one of my favourite verses in the Bible inscribed on it, Jeremiah 29 11. Maybe you already know what it says. It talks about God having a plan and I've got it on here because I remember that God has a plan for my life when I think about it and I remember Zoe being part of that plan. I can remember the first time I saw her, I was playing snooker and she walked in wearing a sheepskin jacket and I turned to the guy I was playing snooker with and I was like, oh, who was that? And that could have been the last that I ever saw of her because she just walked back out again. But thank God he had a plan for us to meet up again because she's been so much part of God's plan for my life. And this Bible right here, this is the one that she gave me not long after we met to tell me that actually, no, I wasn't a Christian just because I was trying my best to be a good person. To be honest with you, sometimes I wasn't very trying very hard at all to be a good person. But this told me that I was a sinner who needed a saviour. And as a police officer, it didn't matter that I could arrest people who were worse than me or whatever. She just underlined one verse in this Bible for me to read. And this became my life verse ever since. Mark 8, 34. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And that showed me and told me that there was a plan that Jesus had for me. But it started with me coming away from the crowd, not following the crowd, but saying yes to follow him. Søren Kierkegaard said, life can only be understood looking backwards, but has to be lived forwards. Steve Jobs, in a now famous speech that he gave not long before he died to a university student, said something similar. He said, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. How true is that? It's only now, of course, that I can see that God had a plan for me to meet and marry Zoe. The vicar told us time and time again in the marriage service, God brought you two together and it's his intention that you stay together. And it's by following that plan that so many blessings have come and continue to come in my life. So it's great to have Jeremiah 29 11 on this ring because it reminds me God has a plan. For many of us, many of you, maybe it's a favourite verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Atheists assume too much and explain too little about the origin, the purpose and the meaning of life. But that one verse reminds me every day, my life is not random chance, it's planned by a God of purpose. And he made us in his image. So yeah, I can make plans too. God is not against any of us making plans, but he has no commitment to bless plans that he was never involved in making. An example, imagine we get told, yes, you can go on holiday again abroad and I get excited. So I look in my calendar, block out a few dates, book a holiday, spend all our money booking it. And then one day wake up and I'm packing my speedos and my sunglasses. And Zoe says, what are you doing? What's happening? And I say, oh, I booked us a holiday. Come on, the taxi's going to be here in an hour. What's the matter? Don't you want to come? And she says, what do you mean? You never even told me about it. Why, why didn't you ask me about these plans? I can't come. I'm working today and I'm working tomorrow. And then I get all funny and I'm like, oh, you're just spoiling my plans. It's not going to be any good if you don't come. Well, we do that with God all the time. We make our plans and then we expect him to tag along and bless them and make them all okay. I was still in the police, I remember years ago, Emma was just a baby at the time, and, and I thought maybe I should aim to go up the ranks. And I remember praying in the bath one night, Lord, I wanna be a sergeant, but to do that, I have to pass this examination, I have to study this big, thick book. Please help me and bless my plan, amen. But then I went into the bedroom 
And all I can say is God was there. His presence was so powerful. The atmosphere was just thick with holiness. And I kind of held my breath and got on my knees and tried to hide a bit. But then I, I knew after a while I had to pick up a book that was sitting on the cabinet, Approaching Hoofbeats by Billy Graham. I knew God wanted me to open it up. So somewhere in the middle, it, I just opened it up. It was a terrible way to have your life changed for sure. But these words jumped off the page. I'll never forget them. It said, he was instead to devote himself to studying God's word. Then God would show him what he wanted him to do. And that was it. My plan and God's plan. Which one would I choose? Now, of course, that's not a one-off decision, but it was a big one. I remember Andy Hawthorne telling us about Duncan Bannatyne from Dragon's Den, the multimillionaire, and how in his autobiography, Anyone Can Do It, he wrote about a time when he was just appalled by the plight of abandoned children that he saw in Romania. And he says he found himself one night weeping uncontrollably about it and the tears wouldn't stop. And he wrote, I began to get the feeling that I wasn't alone. It was there and then that God said, hello. And I felt that I'd been consumed by his presence. I knew who'd come and I also knew why. It wasn't a spiritual thing, it was a Christian thing. And I felt I was being told, join the faith, you've arrived, be a Christian. This is it. It was profound. And I stood there considering the offer and thinking about what it might mean. And I, but then I knew I wanted to keep on building up my businesses. I wanted to keep on making money and to carry on all the things that I wasn't proud of. I was never going to be this totally Christian guy going to church on Sundays. So I said, no, I'm not ready. And God said, okay, and disappeared. Wow, I remember the first time Andy read that to me, I was, I was just stunned by it. I thought, imagine doing that, that God would show up with his plan for your life and you just say, no, I'm a bit busy, I want to do my own plan. But then I thought, well, at least he's honest enough to admit it. How often since the day I said I'd follow Jesus has God invited me to do his thing and I've just followed my own plan instead? James, chapter 4, verse 14 to 17. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. James chapter 4 verse 13 says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. And we can read here about how God wants us to think whenever we think about the future. And in the end, this is less about particular outcomes. It's all about growing that relationship with God, that he wants to share his thoughts with you and you to share your thoughts with him. He wants to let you in on his ideas and his plans and dreams and get you involved. And God, this says God has plans, but it doesn't say that he, he just necessarily wants to bless my plans. And you see, this passage isn't about whether you're spontaneous or a planner. It's not about the Myers-Briggs test and whether you're more of a J than a P. From a business perspective, I suppose James isn't so much talking about whether or not you plan. He's talking about how you consult on it and saying that God wants to get involved. He pictures this person who's making all these plans and calendars and wall charts and folders and full phone of dates. I'm going to do this in June. September, will this will happen. Then that'll do really well. Then we're going on a cruise in December to celebrate it all. He's talking it up with everybody about all the things he'll do and all the places he'll go. But how much has he ever asked God about any of these? 
So we can make so many plans that there's no room for God to even get involved except to hopefully catch up and bless them. Monday I'm here, Tuesday's chock-a-block, Wednesday I'm seeing Sally, and then and there's no room. No room on the calendar for God's plans or his voice anymore. If prayer just gets squeezed in, it's just, God, I'm so busy, give me strength to get through all these things that I've got to do. Thank you. And it reminds me in Luke 12, that story that says it all for me about the rich fool. It says that the ground of a certain man yielded an abundant harvest. You didn't make anything happen. See, there's no such thing as a self-made man or woman. He didn't make the ground or the water or the sun. But he thought to himself, what shall I do? That word I features heavily in this short biography of his life. I have no place to store my crops. In other words, I've got enough. I've got more than enough. I've got enough to share if he chose to think that, but he has other plans. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. I just want more and more and more and more. But of course, one day I'll slow down. And then I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. I know it's crazy now, but someday soon, when I've got a bit more time, I'm going to kick back, play a bit of golf, drink some tequilas. Not right now, of course, but I've got other plans. But, and then, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. In other words, even though the paper said he was a captain of industry, a great success, God's verdict was very different. A one-word epitaph, fool. Rich in the things that don't matter and never last, but investing so, much, so little of his time and money and energy in the God account. Too busy always to do what God wanted him to do with his life. And God tells him, Time's up on that plan. All those things you've accumulated and accomplished and achieved, they just go in the ground with you. Maybe the best stuff will one day be somebody else's antiques, but those things that you focused all your life's pursuit on, they've all gone and so have you, you fool. James says it's foolish to forget. I'm like a puff of smoke, a vapour, a mist, here today and gone tomorrow. And if this pandemic has taught us anything, surely it should be. We don't know what's going to happen six days, weeks or months from now. James says we should add on to all of our plans, God willing. People used to do that. They put it on the end of letters, DV, Latin, Deo Valente. It, it, well, how about we started writing that into our plans a little bit more, just to say, stop us becoming so arrogant, just to signify, you know, this is what we think right now, but God. We've prayed, we've made these plans, but we're not going to depend on the plan. We want to keep listening to God and hearing him, and, and we'll do what he says. And yeah, we're going to do this God willing because we don't know. See, I'm sure like all of us, James had some kind of plan for his own life growing up. Son of Joseph, carpenter of Nazareth. Maybe he'd learn his father's trade, get the girl, settle down, have kids, have grandkids. But as we've seen in this series, his older brother who kept saying he's actually God only goes and proves it by dying and rising again and appearing to him. And that changes everything. James did not have a plan to be a church leader. He didn't plan to suffer for what he believed, to be martyred as a young man just for telling the truth about Jesus. It was not his plan for the year 69 AD that he'd be grabbed by his opponents one day, dragged to the very top of the temple and thrown down off it because he wouldn't deny that Jesus was his Lord and Saviour. And It wasn't his plan that he'd be clubbed to death to finish him off. But he had this perspective on life, didn't he? He said this, what is your life? 
So you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Like this isn't what's most important. A few more lines from that Steve Jobs speech to university students. He said, when he was 17, I read a quote that went something like this. He said, if you live each day as if it will be your last, someday you'll be, it will be. And he said, that made an impression upon me. And remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Because almost everything, all pride, fear, embarrassment and failure, these things just fall away in the face of death. And that's what's truly important that remains. See, James would say to live any other way than that is just boasting, it's arrogant, it's evil, he says. Strong word. Why would he say it's actually evil for me just to make my own plans in life? I'll tell you, here's why. Because it cuts you out of being used by God in the world. Look at the last verse, verse 17. For anyone who knows the good thing that they ought to do and does not do it, for him that is sin. See, we think sin is a list of things that God says, don't do this. If you do that, it's sin. But here, he says, no, sin is when you don't do what I wanted you to do, what you ought to have done for me. There are all these things that God wanted for me in my life. Did you ever think about them? I, I, I was just too busy. I was doing my own thing, places to go, people to see. You know, there's a need, there's, a, there's an opportunity. God speaks, maybe a prompt in the still small voice. God says, hey, I was looking for someone to do a job for me. Just, just show up. Just go there and see what I can do through you. And we say, yeah, well, I know I ought to do it, Lord, but right now it's just not the right time. I've, I've got things to do. I've got places to go and people to see. But by the way, while we're talking, can you sort out a few problems for me? What's that? This says it's sin. Greek word hamartia, not the sin of commission, that I do the wrong thing, the sin of omission, when I don't do the right thing because my plans pushed out God and his purposes. The New Living Translation couldn't be clearer. It says, remember it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And the worst part of that when I look at my own life is how often I sin. It's terrible that I've sinned in that way so much and it makes me think, oh no, how much did I miss out on just because I was so busy making and running my own plans. And you might say, well, I've got big plans. Listen, the God we serve is able to do abundantly above and beyond all that I can ask, dream or imagine. How much greater, how much better would it be to just do what he said when he asked, to leave my nets and follow him, to step out of the boat and walk on the water like those first disciples. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to walk in. I always imagine that verse as being like a path that's laid out, like God's treasure hunt for his kids. And he's placed all these amazing things on the path. And he's like saved us for a reason, for a plan, for all these great things that he has in mind. He doesn't want us to settle for less. What are heaven's plans for you? This week, when the whisper comes, and God says, hey, Go there, help her, pray for him, tell them about me, have faith, speak up, listen, do the miracle, heal the sick, write to the MP, write that wrong, write that injustice, give that money, be the school governor, change job. God has a job for you, places to go, people to see for him, good works. This is why God saves you. This is why Jesus loves you so much. He wants to use you so heaven can come to earth, not just so you can go to heaven when it's all done. It says we should walk in these things because it's not automatic because God doesn't want puppets. He wants children who, who want to love him and obey him and do what he says. 
The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth that he may show himself strong in support of those whose hearts are completely committed to him. That means right now, can you imagine, God is looking all the time, not for people to get him into what they're into, but for people to get into what he's into. So here's what we do for the future today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on what you think you know. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He may not bless my ideas, but his plans are already blessed. And when we need strength, he guarantees us, he'll give us all the power that we need to fulfill his purposes and to live according to his plans. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.